Pastor Chris's podcast. So I'm very proud. I'm very proud of all of our graduates. Uh, my daughter is, is one of them, and, and I've, you know, I've seen her grow and develop through all these years, and I've seen all of the graduates that are here in our church, at least for the last 10 years, growing and developing and becoming all that, that uh, God wants you to be, and looking forward to the future with so much potential and what a wonderful thing it is. It's, it's a great thing to celebrate. And that's why our church, every year, we recognize students and tell them how proud we are of them and just give them that encouragement as they go through this transition. But I can honestly say that in all the years that we've been doing this, I've never, we've never had a year quite like this one, have we? This is totally unique. Each graduating class is unique. Each class has its own struggles. But never before has a class been like 2020 where the entire world was shut down. You know, we've had, we've had plagues before, but I don't think we've ever had anything. We've had plagues that were even more dangerous than the one that we're dealing with now, but never have there been a time when it hit the entire world all at the same time and we all knew about it. That is unique. Think about that. Unique in the history of the human race as far as we know. So, um, think about the fact that one day, the class of 2020 will be able to sit down maybe with your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and you will be able to say, I was in the graduating class of 2020. They canceled the last two months of my senior year, along with prom and sports and all the extra extracurricular activities and we endured and we graduated and I hope that having had some time to reflect upon your experience you will also be able to say to your children your grandchildren your great-grandchildren we learned some more in we learned more during that crazy time about what really matters in life than we could have ever learned in the classroom I hope that we all have been learning and reflecting a lot more these days about life, about death, about the meaning of it all, and what's really important. I know that many pastors and churches and Christians have been reflecting on what church is all about. It has been nine weeks since our congregation here at Pleasant Grove has had a regular on-site worship service. We've been doing all of our services streaming online since March 15th, I believe it was. Only online. In fact, you here, these graduates and their families, are the first people who have been a congregation in this building uh, in over two months, other than the small worship team that's been here to lead worship each week for the live stream. And so many pastors and Christians have been pausing to reflect on what church is really all about. What is the purpose of church? I mean, if we can't meet in purpose, are we really still a church? Pleasant Grove Methodist is a very active church. Our calendar is always full of activities. It's almost impossible to schedule something in this church because we have so much going on. We haven't had anything hardly going on the calendar at least not for our regular activities, we've been down to and limited to only like 
the essential things that we felt like we had to do, like leading in a live stream service online, and we've been doing some mission work, helping with the tornado uh, storm victims and things like that. But just kind of like we kind of pared it down to what is the minimum that we can get by with until life goes back to normal. That's kind of the mode we've been operating in for two months. And so many Christians have been reflecting on that. And high school seniors from this year's class know what it's like to have activities canceled. Your senior year is supposed to be full of special activities, and many of those have been canceled. Does that mean that you are not a senior? Does that mean that you won't graduate? Does the cancellation of these extracurricular activities nullify all the work that you have done over the over for over a decade in your academic career? Of course not. No, it doesn't nullify that at all. It only, I think, really enhances it. Maybe not in a way you would want it to be enhanced, but like I said, no other class thus far has graduated who's had this experience that you've had. Um, that's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And you are still a graduate, despite the things that you had to miss. Here's why. It all goes back to the purpose of your education. Okay? Now, I'm not an expert in public education, so I don't know if I can perfectly distill down the essence of what public education is. I don't know that I really know that. However, I am certain that what is most central to high school education is not marching band or football games or prom or baseball or or even the graduation ceremony itself. All of these things and more have become beloved traditions of high school education, and it hurts our hearts when they are taken away, but the cancellation of these activities does not nullify in any way whatsoever the fact that you are a high school educated graduate, and you will be certified, you know, with a diploma or whatever to, to, to show that you are, you have accomplished what you were supposed to accomplish in the years of your academic career. So therefore, the purpose of a high school education must be something much greater than our beloved traditions, something that you have attained. Again, I'm not a public educator, but I would speculate that the core purposes of a high school education is to teach you maybe the knowledge that you need to succeed in life, and to that you might add the skills that you need to succeed in life, and perhaps even more important, maybe is that a proper education teaches you to be a good person who will be a good citizen. That's important not just for you, but that's important for all of us because the last thing in the world that we need is a bunch of really smart, really skillful people running around doing evil things, right? We don't need that. We need those smart, skillful people to be doing good things for the good of all in the community. Now, as I said, I'm not an educator. I'm a pastor. So the big question on my mind through all of this craziness has been, what is essential about church? It's a question that I've thought about many times 
over the, the 20 years of my ministry, it's not really totally new. I've come back to this again and again and again because I always want to think about what do we, what do I do as a pastor? What do I do as a Christian? What do I, what do we do as a church? Goes back to what our purpose is. If you can always focus on your purpose, then what you do has so much more meaning and so much more effectiveness. But never before have we had a situation where all of that extra stuff was taken away and you can only come back to the very core seed of it all. So this question, what is essential about church, has become especially pressing during this time when so many of the traditional things the American church does have been called off. Does that make sense? So today, I'm beginning a series of messages titled Ecclesia. Ecclesia, because Ecclesia is the Greek word the Bible originally used for church. Ecclesia. The purpose today is not to give answers. Today, I want to give questions. I, I will spend some time in the next two Sundays sharing some answers about the essence of church from Scripture, but today I want to get everyone asking the questions. And maybe as part of that, the graduates of class of 2020 can ask some deep questions about their own lives as well. Maybe we can all ask ourselves some core questions that get to the heart of, of living, of really living and really being alive. What is the essence of life? Jesus had a way of asking the right questions at the right time to really make people think. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. This is a conversation he had with his disciples asking questions that got them to think and hopefully will get us to think too. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now Jesus re reveals some important information in this conversation. First of all, Jesus is the Messiah, which means the chosen one, the Son of the living God. You know, he, he started out by asking, what do people say, who do people say that I am? And everybody in Jesus' day and in our day have an opinion about who is Jesus. Some say he was a prophet, some say he was a religious man, a spiritual leader, a revolutionary, all kinds of things. Some people have said that Jesus never really existed, that He was just a, 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 a fictional character. 
People were saying that then. Well, they probably weren't saying he was a fictional character because they'd seen him on the streets, but, you know. People are saying that today. <clears throat> Jesus then says to Peter, but who do you, to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, which means chosen one. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus affirms that. He accepts that. He says, yes, Peter. You, nobody told you that. God, the Father, revealed that to you. And so we see that Jesus is the Messiah. That's very important. He is the Son of the living God. And secondly, he says that God revealed that to Peter. God inspired. Peter didn't get that from any other human being or any other human source. He got that from God. And third, the church, the ecclesia, will be founded on Peter's kind of faith in Jesus Christ. So this is important information. When we're looking at what is the church, we see that the church is founded on Peter's kind of faith that says that Jesus Christ is the chosen one of God, the Son of the living God. So if a church is to be, to fulfill its purpose and to be what God called it to be, it must be founded upon Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. Anything else, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't stand the way God intended it to stand. Foundations are part of any structure. Yesterday, a group of men from our church went to Terry and Tanya Teasley's house to help uh, build a porch on the front of their trailer. Now, um, when we got there, we got there and started about 8 o'clock, we spent, gosh, I don't know, two or three hours, almost half the time that we were there, we spent working on the foundation. You gotta start with these little caps, these little blocks that you put in the ground, and you gotta get the posts set in them, you gotta get everything squared up and level and you spend so much time everything's going so slow when you start because you got to get the foundation right if you don't get the foundation right anything that happens after that is going to have serious problems and that's the way it is anytime you build any structure you got to get the foundation right you don't even see the foundation most of the time you see all the stuff that's built on built on top of it and, and usually you remark about how pretty a house is or how wonderful a building is, and you're looking at what's on top, but it's what's in the foundation that matters the most. Because no matter how pretty the building is, if the foundation isn't solid, that building is not going to stand for long. It's going to have serious problems. And foundations are not just for buildings. Graduates, your education thus far is the foundation that you need to succeed in life. It's, it is, it is, it's not the only thing. You, you need other things as well. And maybe you will go on to, to a college education or you'll go on to job training or you'll go on to work, but you, you wouldn't be prepared to begin all of those things without the foundation that you've built over the last 18 years of your life. And a faulty foundation will give you trouble with everything else that you try to build on your life from now on. So hopefully you built a good foundation. I, I think your parents have done their very best to try to help you do that, and your teachers have as well. Your church. 
But your foundation is built from far more than just your education. And here's where the questions start to come in. Who are you? What is your essence? Remember, Jesus asked His disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, who do people say you are? You know, when people talk about Alex, or Eden, or Grace, or Meg, or Catherine, or Matthew, who do they say you are? What does your family say about you? Your closest friends. What they say has some indication about what's most essential about you. But if you really want to know the core of who you are, I would recommend looking to God. Because God is the one who designed you and sculpted you. He is the one who brought you into this world. And He is the one who has been guiding you all along the way, even though you didn't know it. As you are walking through the halls of your school, even all the way back to when you were in kindergarten, you didn't know it. You may not even thought to think of it, but God was walking with you. That's the prevenient grace of God. It means that God is thinking about us and helping us before we even have a thought about Him. Before we even know it, He's there with us. And He's been guiding you down this road to where you are today. And if you want to know the essence of who you are, I would recommend turning to the Creator, your Creator, and asking Him. And this is a message that is especially applicable to graduates as you enter a new phase of life, but it's also a message that we all need to consider during this time when our normal lives have been turned upside down. Who are you? What is your purpose? What kind of life do you want to build? Graduates, as you start this new phase of life, you have so much potential and a great amount of freedom to build whatever kind of life you want. What will you build? What do you think God wants you to build? Because here's the thing. What God wants you to build will be so much more fulfilling and so much more wonderful than anything else. And believe it or not, God knows you better than you have ever known yourself. And His way will always be the better way. This is a message for everyone, not just graduates. The COVID-19 pandemic has been awful. But it has given us all a unique opportunity. Since our normal lives have been so severely disrupted, don't miss the opportunity that that gives us to take a good, hard look at what's most essential in your own life and make some decisions. Now that so much of the fluff has been stripped away, ask the question, who are you? What's your purpose? What kind of life do you want to build going forward? Many of us in so many ways will be building something new in our lives in the coming days. What will it be?
And, and one of my biggest prayers through all this has been that we don't just opt out for the easy, comfortable thing, which is to just go back to the way things were before. That may not even be possible because the world's changed. Even if the, the virus goes away and, and things really start going back to normal, people's attitudes have changed. People's thought process has been changed. I mean, suppose this all went away and just completely and miraculously disappeared in the next couple of weeks. Would you ever think about it the same when you hug somebody's neck? <laughs> Would you even hug them? These are the kinds of things people will be thinking about from now on. So if you think you're just going to go back to the way things were, it's probably not going to happen. The world has changed. So why not take advantage of the opportunity to build something new? I'm looking at my own life. I'm also looking at the church to see what needs to change. I think that's maybe what God wants us to do. After all, I believe this life is not my own anyway. It belongs to God. And this church of ours belongs to God. So I want both my life and our church to be everything that God wants it to be and nothing He doesn't want it to be. How about you?